0: Acts chapter 4 verse 13 says, When they saw the boldness of Peter and John, look at your neighbor and say, Who's they? The they is the religious. The they is the political. The tonic is still on. There it is. You can turn it off. The they is, it's in the monitors too. That's why I still hear it. So you can just mute it. The they is the religious atmosphere. The they is the political atmosphere. The they is the cultural atmosphere. The they is the woke. Okay, I just offended a bunch of people. Hang on. By the way, the word of God will offend you. If it doesn't, there's something wrong with you. But God's got a word for us today. When all of society saw the boldness of Peter and John and discovered that they were uneducated and ordinary men, they didn't see anything special about them. They, remember all the who that they were, we're amazed and recognize these men had been with Jesus. In the name of Jesus, Father, right now we ask in your name, which is the highest name that there is. Your word is already anointed. Your word is already forever settled. But Lord, our hearts need your word to be planted deep within us. I'm praying right now in the name of Jesus that anointing power would rest on this stage, rest in this house, rest online as we are going all around the world. But Lord, let your glory and your power be rooted down inside of us today as we understand who you really are and who we are because of you. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. You can be seated. I'm going to join with Olga and say thank you all for letting us be gone for two weeks. We definitely missed you, and we have enjoyed being back home since Friday night until last night around 9 o'clock, right when I started getting ready to go to bed, somebody ran into a transformer somewhere, and my power went out in my house, and it was negative 47 degrees. Don't tell me any different. It was cold, and I had to get all bundled up and go crawl up in the bed. I had like 17.5 blankets on me. I did not rest, but I was glad to be home until that happened. But now I walk into the presence of God. I get to see all my church family. I love y'all. I have missed you. Thank you. Greetings from the West West Coast. We had a good time with family and uh, our extended family, Mickey and Donald, and Goofy, that's my family. That's my side of the family is the Goofy one. But we, we enjoyed being over there, but now we're glad. Tell them I said hi. And uh, it's good to be back home, amen? I'm, I'm taking a little bit of time because I, I, I want you all to kind of brace yourself because we're going deep today. Today is the last sermon of our prayer series. Have you all enjoyed the prayer series so far? Have you learned something? Have you learned something new about prayer? entering into these extremely important conversations where effectiveness can be in our relationship with God. There's so many believers who miss the element of prayer in their relationship with God. They equate going to church as their relationship with God. Perhaps even going to a small group, and I'm not saying don't go to church. I'm also not saying don't be a part of a small group. In fact, you should do both of those things. But if that is the epitome or if that is the culmination or the totality of your relationship with God, you are missing something that is so vitally important, and that is the conversation with your God. So many of us think that prayer is us talking to God, but real prayer is talking with God. There has to be some time in your prayer conversations where you close your mouth and open your ears and let Him speak. Amen? God never speaks. When's the last time you shut up? Because we like to talk. We like the sound of our own voice. We like the sound of our trial. We like the story of our thing that's causing anxiety in our life. We like our drama. We like our situation. We like our circumstance. That's why we talk about it all the time. But we we go to the, the end of this series I, I I was pushing off because I knew where God was taking us, and I could not wait to get back to Acts chapter four. And and over the past ten years, can y'all believe it's been almost ten years since we planted Nola Church? Kind of crazy, but over the last ten years, I have preached out of Acts chapter four. Some of what I'm going to preach today, probably four or five times, and. Today I'm going to hit on some things that I've already touched on, but I also want to bring some new understanding to some elements that lead into this that we may have overlooked. Let's, let's go back and you're going to just kind of stay in this. If you have a Bible, keep it open. If you don't have a Bible, see me after church and I will get you a Bible because you need a Bible. If, if you don't have one right now, though, I can't run out and buy you one, so look over your neighbor's shoulder or pull it up on your phone. The world in which the disciples were living, you have to see the stage that has been set. This is roughly a month and a half after Jesus has resurrected and ascended. And the world is in absolute upheaval. The world at this time was ruled and reigned by the Roman government, and this particular region of their empire was in a bad state of affairs because somebody had done something. The the Romans didn't believe that a man had been crucified and resurrected, but they were pretty sure that there was a cult that had started that believed this, so there was already political unrest that was really, really high at this day and age. And if you look throughout history, you'll see that this region was extremely, Volatile for the Roman government, so everything—it's like a powder keg. You're just waiting for something to go off. You're just waiting for something bad to happen, and this is the situation. the The disciples, all the five hundred or so that had gathered on the hillside, that had dwindled down or dwindled down to one hundred and twenty. They, they were living in hiding, and the church began to expand. Even on that first day, it expanded to over 3,000, and then over the next few weeks, it expanded to another 5,000. So the church is large, but they cannot gather the way that we get together in this day and age for as long as we still are allowed to do that. They were forced into hiding. So there is tension. Everybody say tension something that you've got to know about tension is big. tension is vital to life you're going to have tensions in life but there's something about the tension that causes anxiety in our lives when things get tense we get anxious the other night as we were getting ready to come home i, I don't like when things don't go in order if i have technology and it doesn't work i'm i'm going to go resurrect steve jobs and make him fix the problems right or I—that's—I I don't have the other kind of phones like all of you others do, but your phones break too. So, like, when technology does not work the way it's supposed to, like I can feel the temperature rising. I can feel the temperature rising. Anyway, it's just it, I'm getting hot in here. You know that—that's what's happening. Get your mind out of the gutter. I wasn't going to say it. I thought about it, but I wasn't going to say it. When they don't work right, like my OC or my CDO, it's not OCD, it's an alphabetical order. My CDO kicks in, and, and I'm just like, it's supposed to work. Why doesn't it work? Work, you stupid thing, work. I was tired after two weeks of vacation. Take a brother to Disney. That ain't vacation. <laughs> like, oh God, my wallet. <laughs> we're we're staying at a hotel in L.A. right by the airport so we can get there early because we got an early flight and we're trying to go get something to eat and the only place you can go eat without showing a Vax card in, in L.A. is In-N-Out Burger. So praise the Lord for people that are still serving burgers without having to get jabbed. Nothing against getting jabbed if you're jabbed, cool, good for you. I just don't like needles. But anyway. So we're going to in and out Burger and I'm trying to get out of the parking lot and you got to like do this and like hold your head right and like lift this leg in the car and like honk the horn three times and push this button and then maybe the arm will go up and I'm doing everything. And I'm one of those people, like if I'm taking medicine and it says take two, I think four or six is probably better because like more's better, right? And if I'm supposed to, I'm, I'm that guy at the elevator. Where's the elevator at? Come on, come on, come on. A- anybody else like that? That's me thank you. There are other people, we are having a small group after church and you know, all these things. (laughs) So I'm like hitting everything trying to get out. And the temperature's rising in the car because Olga knows that I'm getting anxious. My kids are like, oh crap, it's about to get bad in here. And some citizen, I just spilled my water all over the word of God, forgive me. Some citizen decides that it's time for them to get out of the parking lot. And I can't get out of the parking lot. But they felt like to help me get out, if they got really, really close to my car, that was going to help me get out. Somebody, somebody knows where I'm going right now. Things begin to get very anxious in the young vehicle at this moment. So I lean my head out and I say gently in a very firm voice, You're going to need to move back so I can back up. This thing's not working for me. He complied. He backed up. And honestly, to his credit, he backed up enough. But the the vehicle we had rented to house our 17-and-a-half-member family had zero turn radius. Like, it was not a deal where you can turn. This was a deal where you can turn. You know what I'm saying? So he backed up enough to where a normal car could have just made a left turn and got out of the way. But this, this big old expedition couldn't do that. It needed to go on an expedition to make a left turn. So I'm like, you got to back up a little more. And so I start backing up to let him know, you know, that's the universal term. If people are coming at you, you back up, right? Not, not this guy. He felt like that meant he needed to get on his horn. Anxiety goes up. Now, he was 100% in the right. I'm not capping on him. And I was like 50% in the wrong at this point. I, I admit that I'm wrong some. But the more that it went on, the higher the anxiety got. To the point that he and I decided we would get out of the car and have a civil conversation. I had to apologize to my family later. I didn't apologize to him. I waved at him. He left before I got to apologize, but I said all clean, honest words. I was just like, you can, it has no turn radius. What am I going to do? Like everybody in the park is like, turn radius? What, is these, what are these words? Like just move. But it was an anxious situation. It was high tension, and where there's high tension, there's going to be anxiety. That's normal. You're not broken. Hear me. I'm not trying to be funny here. You're not broken because you're responding with an anxious response to something that is very tense. You're alive. Tension happens and anxiety rises. The question is, do we react or do we respond? Because if we react, we open the door for the enemy to do his thing in our life. And I can't imagine everything that God's people were going through in this season. Because their teacher, their rabbi, at least half of them actually understood that he is God in flesh, at least. Even after he ascends back into the heavenlies, they're like, okay, where are the strings at? Like, I'm pretty sure there's some that weren't really tracking with him. But now to have to live in hiding every day of their lives, they're not able to go back to the way life was before. Somebody hear me. They were unable to go back to the norm. They were unable to go back to the place of comfort because everything in the world around them was tense. Am I in somebody's lilac patch right now? And anxiety was there. And this is what we see happening in these disciples' lives. And Peter and John are leaving the mass of people that are spread all over Jerusalem in little safe houses, having little house churches and and house houses because they went to church where they lived and they educated their kids where they lived and they shopped where they lived because they couldn't go out because they were outlaws because of a belief. Don't for one second think that your modern day Christianity in North America is under attack. We don't even have a clue what it looks like. We will, but not yet. Everything about their life, they couldn't go out and tell the world because someone would arrest them, whether it's the religious aristocracy and the religious power or whether it was the Roman government they were breaking the religious laws and they were breaking the political laws rather tough intense situation amen Peter and John had been preaching Jesus in the streets they are like choke it God's changed my life I'm going to say something because sometimes when something happens on the inside of you you can't bottle it up when a real living God has birthed himself down deep in the center of who you are, there's something that comes alive in you and you can't hold it down. And Peter and John said, we're going out and we're going to preach. I don't care what the rest of y'all do, we're going to preach. And the Bible tells us, if you read before at the end of chapter 3 and the beginning of chapter 4, they got arrested for preaching Jesus. say, so that, that would never happen today. Look to our neighbors to the north. Laws are being passed right now to limit what people can do in preaching, whether it's in a church or whether it's in a small group or whether it's even talking to neighbors and friends over tables in public places. Don't think it won't happen where you live. It's going to happen. It just hasn't happened here yet. They stepped out and they preached and they got arrested. Now notice this. They were not arrested by the Roman government. They were arrested by the religious establishment. Everybody say religion. Now I want everybody to say it. Half of y'all said Everybody say religion. religion. Now you're all with me. Praise the Lord. The religious establishment was very offended at what they were saying. And so they began to question them. And when they began to question them, they were trying to find some religious grounds for punishing them. But the Bible tells us in verse 13 that they were amazed and recognized that these men had been with Jesus. Let me ask you this question today. NOLA Church here in Elmwood and NOLA Church everywhere else that we are, let me ask you this. Does the world around you recognize your relationship with Jesus? When you go to work, do your coworkers know just by seeing something in you that you've been with Jesus? Or do you fit into the world without even trying? Do they find it comfortable? Do they find it comfortable to tell the off-color jokes in front of you because you're just one of the boys? Or is there something in you that when you walk in the room, they go, oh, better wait to tell that one? Or is it so easy for them to drop the F-bombs and not the forgive bombs, the other ones, the ones that you say when you get really mad? Is it comfortable for them to say that or is there something in you that when you walk in, they're saying, hey, there's something different about that person. I better check myself. What, What about on your social media feed? Is this okay if I meddle with all of us starting right up here? When they see what I post on social media, is their first thought we need to find him some help? Or is it there's something different about him? Or is it, oh, they're just like me, so let me send them all of my society bile that I've gathered from all the other places. Does the world around us recognize that we've been with Jesus or do we just fit in like something camouflaged? I know I'm not getting a lot of hoops and hollers this morning, but that's okay. I had not preached in two weeks. Guys, y'all did a great job. Thank y'all for covering. But it falls my lot this morning to pastor because before we go into what starts next week, we have to make sure that our prayer culture is right. Let me ask you this. Does the world around you see your reputation or your brand? Or do they see Jesus? John the Baptist said, I must decrease so that he must, not so that he can, so that he must increase. I must continually become less so that he just naturally, continually becomes bigger in my vision. Let me ask you this, are you trying to gain followers or are you trying to make disciples? We weren't called to gather followers we were called to be disciple makers drop down to verse 19 look, let's look at verse 19 and 20 and, and basically, let me set you up here before you read this they told him like guys you've got to stop preaching Jesus and it wasn't just because it offended them religiously it definitely offended their religiosity truth always offends theology and religion always That's why theologians are always fighting over everything because it just offends them. But They're speaking truth and the religious people are saying, hey, we're going to stop this right here, but you've got to stop preaching Jesus. We're going to let you go because we can't find anything really wrong here, but we want to basically cover our... Because the Roman government is coming after us. The government is coming after us. The government is coming after us. I just hit both sides of the aisle. Right now the Republicans think the government's coming after them. Three years ago it was the Democrats that thought the, or the government was coming after Here's the deal. Government ain't coming after any of us. The government's just trying to get more money. Government's jacked up no matter who's in office, Right? Let's accept that reality. By the way, politicians will never, never heal the world. Only Jesus can do that. But the government is coming after us. If you keep preaching Jesus, the Roman government is going to come in and they're going to shut us down and they're going to wipe us off the face of the earth. And it was a very real fear because it had already happened in history. We're going to let you go, but you've got to stop preaching Jesus. Just stop. And we're going to make a point because we've got to make examples out of you so there's nobody else. So we're going to beat you. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. They beat them. And they're getting ready to do all this stuff. And they come in and they say, you've got to stop. And in verse 19 and 20, Peter and John replied, whether it is right before God to obey you rather than God. Notice what they said there you decide Peter and John under threat of being beaten under they could be turned over to the Roman government at any point at any step in this you decide whether it's right or not for me to obey God or you for it is impossible for us not to speak about what we have seen and heard let me ask you this very quickly because I've taken way too much time here, listen, how much of what you say has been seen and heard from Jesus? How much of what you're putting out there actually comes from Jesus? Notice this, Jesus didn't call us to make converts. He called us to make disciples. There's a big difference between a convert and a disciple. Converts are swayed by arguments. You get someone who's really good at arguing and setting things up, they're going to get a lot of converts until another arguer comes along with a better argument. That's what a convert is. They're easily swayed. They're like, hey, let's go over here. But disciples are built over time through intentional relationships. I'm going to spend time with you, and I'm going to put the DNA that he has put in me, I'm going to put it in you, not my DNA, his DNA. Let me take this down to brass tacks before we get into the meat of this day, and I bring it to a close. How easy is it for you? I'm not looking at anybody because I don't want anyone to think that I'm coming for you. But I want you to ask this question of yourself. How easy is it for you to speak politics, groupthink, or cultural ideology, or even theology? How easy is it for it to fall out of your mouth? when you're faced with the tension that's in the world, what do you go to? When you turn on the news and you see all the upheaval happening, what comes out? Think about it. What comes out? Well, I read this book somewhere on the blogosphere that said this was going to... That's theology. Stop. Well, I heard this professor... No, that's, that's socialism. Socialism. I'm not talking about the political movement. I'm talking about the the ism that is society. That's humanism coming out. Is that where you go? Well, if a different party was in, in, that's politics. Well, if I could just make some more money, or no, that's economics. What's coming out of your mouth when the tension comes into your life? What is your response when all hell breaks loose in your life? Am I meddling too much? People look at me, oh crap, what's he going to say? I'm asking all of us right now, myself included, because what comes out of our mouth is what the world sees about our God. And our God is not political. Our God is not a member of society. Our God is not woke. But, But here's the deal. Society right now is trying its desperateness to twist and turn individuals into making them all think the exact same way. And I'm going to offend some people here, so you all go ahead and brace yourself. I told you it was going to happen. You cannot regulate thought. Stop trying. I don't care how many laws you pass, racists are still going to be racist. Because they move from a place of prejudice, fear, into a place of racist hate. Starts with prejudice, turns into hate. You can't regulate this. Stop trying. Let me take it a step further. For this church. Am I the pastor? Okay, cool. For this church, we're not going to be out there fighting racism. Racism is a sin. Racism is wrong. This church will not fight racism. This church will pray against sin. You want to stop racism? Start praying. And it needs to stop, by the way. But the way that it stops is when individuals get on their knees and they allow God to change something inside of them to where they no longer live in fear and they no longer live in hate and they no longer try to control people. Prayer is what changes it. You cannot regulate it. It's a waste of time. It's a waste of energy. It's creating more tension that's making situations more anxious, giving a platform for the enemy. So what should we do in all this? You need to find a place to pray. Prayer is what changes the world, not voting. Well, Man, if the government would just give everybody money, money's not going to change it. If we could just change, no, it's not going to happen. This world is doomed. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. That's what the Bible says. The church needs to find ourself. Stop trying to make converts to our ideology and to our theology and to our societal structure and to whatever the cultural norms are. I, I was told two weeks ago that I'm a white supremacist i married to a Mexican. How in the God's green goodness is that even possible? What you didn't know when you said I do. I will not buy into this. I will not buy into this. I will not allow you to put that on me. None of y'all did. I will not allow society to tell me that because I believe in Jesus that I naturally hate someone who looks different from me because I do not, because I remember the God of all gods said that we were all created in his likeness and in his image. And you may look different from me, but you come from the same image. You may talk different from me, but you came from the same place. This church will not fight against racism because there's only one race and it's human that's what the Bible says. Oh, but you can't say that, pastor. You can't say that. They're going to be protesting out in front of the church. Let them come. I'll buy them water and pizza. Because it is impossible for me to say anything other than what I've seen and what I've heard because I've been in the prayer room. And what's coming out of here isn't coming from here. And it's not coming from here. And it's not coming from here. And it's not coming from here. Or the bullhorn. It's not coming from here. It's not coming from here. Let me go ahead and say it, church. It's time you start catching on to this. It's not coming from here either. I can only say... What came from the mouth of my God because my God speaks truth and every man is a liar. That's what his word says. Now that I've offended everyone, (laughs) let's move on into the ending of this. Drop down to verse 23. I want you to notice a few things here as I bring this to a close. It's been a while since I preached so y'all got a little bit extra taste there. Next week will be just as long. But anyway. When they were released, notice this, Peter and John, where did they go? They went to their fellow believers. They went to a place of unity. When they were released from the tense situation, they didn't run to their platform. They didn't run to their social media profile. They didn't run... To society, they ran back to the community of believers where they were finding life. And they reported everything the high priest and the elders had said to them. Look at verse 24. When they heard this, who is the they? The community of Christ. When they heard this, notice the difference between the religiosity and the community of Christ. When the religiosity people heard what they were doing, they got mad and arrested them. But when the believers heard what they were doing, they raised their voices to God with one mind in a position of unity and said this. Master of all, you who made the heaven, the earth and the sea and everything that is in them. Most of the time that I preach from this text, I preach out of the NLT just because I like the way it sounds. Oh, sovereign Lord, creator of the heavens and the earth. I love starting prayers off like that. Why is that such an important statement at the beginning of a prayer? Why is master of all, you who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything that's in them, Why is that an important way to begin your prayer when you find yourself in a place of tension and you find yourself in a moment of anxiety? Why is that an important way to start your prayer? Because you're setting the tone that no matter what is happening, He is greater. You're reminding yourself who your God is instead of what your situation is. I'm surrounded by pain. I'm surrounded by hurt. I'm surrounded by division. I'm surrounded by segregation. I'm surrounded by crime. I'm surrounded by violence. I'm surrounded by drugs and prostitution and all of the things that we find in this world. More than likely, if cooler heads don't prevail, we're going to find ourselves surrounded by war very, very quickly. How do we respond in this moment? What if you get a phone call tomorrow that says the enemy of the country that you live in has launched bombs from their bases in Cuba and Venezuela? What are you going to do? Man, it got quiet in here. See, this is where Christianity hits the road. Heard on the news last night that the vaccine's not stopping Omicron, Omicron. Omicron. What am I even saying? The vaccine's not stopping Omicron anymore. It's it's morphed around it. Change your news source. You might hear more things. What what are you going to do when they lock it down again? What happens to your faith when everything that you thought was comforting starts falling apart? What if the company you work for says, we're done, we can't, we can't survive, we don't have enough workers, we can't survive, we're done. You have no job, you're like, no problem, I'll go, oh, there's nobody hiring. What if that happens? How do you respond? So good to see y'all pray for y'all so much this week. I, can I use you as an example? This lady encouraged me. You didn't even know that. You encouraged me. I call you to give you comfort after finding out that your mom went to be with Jesus. And you encouraged me. Because you weren't talking out of pain, out of frustration, out of anxiety. You said, her pain is over. She's with her God. And there was so much joy coming over the phone when I was talking. To you. I, I wish so much I could have been here with you in that. But here's the truth. You didn't need me. Because you've got Jesus. Jesus. We don't know. You may get another phone call any, any moment now. How's it going to feel if you lose your mom and your son in the same three, four week period of time? How are you going to respond? I love you. God's got you. But here's what's even better than that. You've got Jesus. They heard the threat, and they didn't freak out. They saw what was happening in the world, and they didn't lose it. They didn't walk away from God all. Our preachers got arrested. (laughs) Let's quit. I'll just stay home for a few weeks. I'll just disconnect for a few weeks because I need some me time. No, they didn't do any of this. They came together in unity and raised their voices to God with one mind and said, You're God, nothing else is. How do you respond when tension settles? Here's the thing you got to know about Acts chapter 4 prayers Acts 4 prayers acknowledge his sovereignty. And in the moment you begin to acknowledge his sovereignty, you place yourself under his covering no shadow no valley no trial can overtake you because the sovereign Lord is your God this has become kind of something that I say all the time pastor are you scared of this are you scared of no? How could you not be scared of that? Here, here's how. I, and I, I'm not trying to convince anybody of anything. I'm just, I'm saying the truth. I've made the sovereign Lord my refuge. And no plague shall come upon my house. But a plague did come on your house named Ida and wiped your house out. But Ida didn't touch my family. Ida didn't touch my standing with my God. You see how that works? It may touch this, but it can't even get close to touching him. Let me challenge you. Make the sovereign Lord your refuge and nothing has power over you unless you give it power over you. Verse 25 and 26. They Notice what happened. They continue to pray and they're talking to Jesus who said by the Holy Spirit through your servant David, our forefather, what, what do they do right here? There, there's a lot here. Take your time and go read. I don't have time right now. Go, go read chapter 4 and you'll, you'll see all the little nuances here. But why did they suddenly start reminding God what He already said? Well, first off, they weren't. They were reminding themselves of what He's already said. They started praying this. There's a trend in Pentecostal Christianity called prophecy people want a word I came to church I got to get a word today but they ain't open the word by the way any prophet tells you something that you can't find here that's not prophecy that's bad pizza you see prophecy is God truth that's all it is It's either prophecy that has already happened, it's in the process of happening, or it will happen. So if you want a word, get in the word. If you need a word in your life, don't call up 1-800-PROPHET.COM Don't go chase down the popular pop-up church that's got the great music because they've got a prophet traveling with them. Don't get a TikTok, pastor. I'm on TikTok, by the way. You should follow me because I'm funny. I ain't prophesying to nobody, but... And I need more followers. (laughs) Those of you who do follow me are like, Nope, he don't. (laughs) Don't encourage this. Don't go there looking for prophecy. Go to the one who is the fulfilled prophecy, Jesus Christ, the one true living God, who was and who is and who will come again, the one who is the Word of God, the one who is in the beginning, the one who is here now. You've got to start praying Scripture. You're not reminding God what He said. You're reminding yourself what He said. And if you haven't read this, you're not going to know what He said. So you start off acknowledging who he is. Then you start praying what he said. Look at verse 27, 28. For indeed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel assembled together in this city. Everybody say, in this city. Against your holy servant Jesus. What are they doing here? They're reminding themselves of what they've already seen with their own eyes. They're praying from their experience. See, uh, we get out of order. We like to pray our experience. God, I'm going through hell right now. Touch me. Yeah, God. But we don't even believe that he is the master of all because we're already afraid. And we have no idea what promises he's already given us in the moment of this. We didn't know we were supposed to make the Lord our refuge and no plague would come on our house because we didn't read the promise. But we want to stay in our experience. No, you can't get to your experience until you've started with His identity and His truth that He's already said. And understand this, Acts chapter 4 prayers are filtered through testimony, not theology. I don't care who says what. If it ain't here, don't you dare believe it. Even if I say it. Filter your prayers through the word of God and what you've seen God do in your own life notice this verse 29 and now Lord notice how they do this now Lord pay attention to their threats you remember the tension pay attention to their threats and grant your servants to speak your message with great courage couple of things, I have, to, I have to get into this. But, but, but you, you have to surrender your situation to him. If you hang on to it, there's nothing he will do. He can, but he won't. As long as you're hanging on to it, he will not pry open your clutching fingers. God, take it away. No, let go. <laughs> I want to stop doing this. No, you don't. (laughs) Jesus, make me stop sinning. You just won't quit, so I can't stop. Anyway, you got to surrender the situation to Him. In other words, allow Him to be God in your situation. You have to allow Him to be God. Stop looking at all the other sources thinking they're God. They're not. All of that will pass away. All that can shake is going to shake. That's what the Bible and Rust-Taff said. If you don't know who Rust-Taff is, you're not old enough and you need to go back and listen to some real good Christian music. Anyway, got an amen from David. Old folks stick together. Pay attention to their threats. Notice they did not spend time telling God what the threats were. We like to sit around and talk about the drama. You're never going to believe what is going on in my life right now. I'm not making fun. I do the same thing. Et tu, Brute? But he got right behind me, babe. I couldn't turn. I got no turn radius. God! Just want to go to the in and out Burger before I gotta go back home. And he's just right up. Why can't he just back up? He should know what's in my head. Lord, pay attention to their threats, not... Lord, let me tell you everything that's going on in my life. Let me go tell every. Dylan, I got to tell you everything that's going on in my life, okay? Hang on, but I got to tell Jake first. I got to tell you everything that's. Stop talking about the problem and start talking about the solution. Guess what? When you leave this church, there's a lot of racist people that live out there. Stop talking about them. Start talking about the one who sees beyond all differences and sees beyond all divisions. Guess what? Politics is going to be jacked up tomorrow. They take Sundays off. Monday, they're going to jack everything up again. Talking about it's not going to change it. Talking about Jesus will change you. And talking about Jesus is going to change everyone around you because they're going to recognize that you've been with Jesus. Stop talking about the threat and start talking about the answer. Lord, you see the threats. We're down here doing our thing. You deal with the threats. God. Is he God or is he not God? Why are you taking so long on this point? Because I want you to get this. I want you to understand this. Either Jesus Christ is God or He's not. If He's not, we're shutting this down and we're going to turn this into like a dance hall and a wedding place. I'm going to make a million bucks and y'all can go to church somewhere else. If He's Jesus, we're going to trust Him. If He's not, let's find out who is God. But last I checked, He is everything. He is the all in all. He's the author and the finisher. He's the beginning, he's the ending. He's everything in between. And when all this ends, he's going to still be going, "Hey y'all, it's still me." Pretty sure he's not going to do it like that, but I've always this is just in my head. I, y'all know I have no filter. I've always wondered, would we follow Jesus if he talked like Forrest Gump? I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm sorry. Pray for me. You got to surrender your situation to Jesus. Lord, you hear the threats. Now, I got to tell you, because you already heard them. Don't grant us freedom from the tense situation. Look what it says. They never said change the religious situation. They never said change the government. They never said change culture. They never said change society. You see the threats. Grant your servants to speak your message with great courage. Maybe the problem is we're speaking politics, cultural norms, ideology, society, socialism, communism, republicanism, democratism, stupidism. Maybe we're talking all of these isms when well, we should just be talking Jesus with courage, right? Yeah, but I, I would talk to Jesus about them, but they don't believe exactly the same way that I do about the red heifer. You probably don't even know where the red heifer is in the Bible. Timothy does and Tim does. The Tims know. Nobody else knows. y'all don't even know why I went there but it don't get hung up on all this stuff talking this other stuff just Paul said I've I've chosen and I've determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified Lord you hear the threats you deal with them we're just going to keep speaking you we're starting this in two weeks first Sunday of February Our series is The Call. This sermon is the setup for this. You have to learn to surrender to the call in your life. I I don't know my purpose. That's part of the problem. You're chasing activity instead of identity. Purpose is what you do in any given moment. Calling is who you are. Stop chasing your purpose and start chasing your calling and surrender to the call. In other words, pray his agenda not your comfort. Cuz Acts chapter 4 prayers focus on the bigger picture, not the future. Everything in our life right now, we I got to make sure I got enough money in the bank. I got to make sure that I got my go bag in case the government comes in and takes all the the cookies. See, that's why God brought Jonathan Sparks to our church. Because if the government takes all our cookies, he's going to make those wonderful sparkies. We just got to get him enough flour and butterscotch and walnuts and all the other things that go into those wonderful things, and he will keep us supplied. You don't have to worry about the government taking your cookies. Jonathan's got your back. Focus on the bigger picture. Who is God? Who am I? Because of who he is. And who has he called me to be? Verse 30, and while you extend your hand to heal, not tear anything up, heal. I wish God would just send down the fire of heaven to burn up all them racists. No, let's heal them. Because they're hurting. Something scared them and that fear moved into hate. God, heal them. I wish the people that vote different from me, God would just, no, heal them and heal you at the same time. Extend your hand to heal and bring about miraculous signs and wonders through the name of Jesus. In other words, ask Jesus to do his work. He's God, not you. Here's the deal. Acts chapter 4, prayers, invite his character, not religion. Stop praying religion in. Here it is. Finally, we've got to the end of this. You didn't think it was ever going to happen. Never let me be gone two weeks ever again. And I won't preach this long. Verse 31. When they had prayed. Notice this. When they had prayed. Who's the they? The community. They prayed in unity. And when they had prayed, by acknowledging his sovereignty, by praying from their experience, by surrendering their situation, and by surrendering to the call, and asking Jesus to do his work, the place where they were assembled together was, was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God courageously. Finish reading the rest of the book of Acts. Then put the Bible down and go read history books from the first century. You will find out that Israel never gained their freedom from the Roman Empire. God never changed the political landscape of the day and age, ever. In fact, you'll find out that a lot of the people that were involved in this prayer had to give their lives because of who they are and who they believed in, and they would not renounce them. Go read the Foxy's Book of Martyrs, and you can see the people that gave their life for their belief, and we say it's bad because Facebook takes down a post. God never changed the situation. But God began to change them. And the place where they were began to shake. History tells us that the gospel spread like wildfire from this group of people. It spread so fast that it ultimately led to the overthrowing of the Roman government. Because they could not keep up with the scourge of Christianity. not religion, not theology, power. Where does this power come from? It comes from a believer finding an altar and saying, you're greater than I am. When everything in society says that that's not true, everything in society tells you to never accept the fact that anyone else is ever greater than you. One area of groupthink says the whiteness of your skin makes you greater. So, in reaction, another side of groupthink says, no, the blackness of your skin. Makes you greater. Both are lies. Because your skin is not your identity, it's your covering. You're still in the likeness of God. Stop focusing here and start focusing right here. Pastor, why are you talking about this? Because our church in the last year went from 80 to 20 percent, 80% white, 20% everything else. We're bumping on 50-50 right now. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. You want to know why that's here? Because I prayed it here. I was right here saying, God, I don't want everyone in this church to look like me. I want everyone in this church to look like heaven. And everybody's going to heaven. There's going to be people of all kinds of colors in heaven. I don't want them to look like me. I don't want to just be a bunch of me's. So I'm I'm going to bump up against the societal norm. Young adults, by the way, y'all stop sitting over here. I want to preach to y'all over here too. Don't buy the lie of wokeness. The woke culture hates you. And then under the guise of trying to free you from the chains that are actually not even on you, they're putting their chains on you telling you that you have to think the way that they think. You need to reject that. I will not apologize for the color of my skin. I am not an oppressor, and you're not a victim, unless you choose to be a victim, unless I choose to be an oppressor. I am not, and you are not, because neither one of us were created that way. We are not defined by any of this stuff. We're defined by who He is. Who he is, is all that we need to focus on. But we can't get there if we're here. We can only find it right here. And I'm calling this church to prayer. Look around at your friend group. If the only people you're meeting up at the prayer room, by the way, your church is a 24-7 prayer room. Every day of the week, you can come up here. Mr. Donnie will send you an email with a code that you can get in anytime you want to. You can use your little fancy phone, go boop, boop, opens the door. You get to come in. It's cool. Just make sure the door closes behind you. But if everybody in your friend group looks just like you, your friend group's broke. You need to look for some friends. You need to look for some friends that don't look like you, and you need to come pray with them. Let's go protest. No, let's not go protest anything. Let's go pray fest. Let's go to the house of God. Let's get in the altar and let's pray. Because if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and heal their land. Our land needs healing, but it's not going to happen up here. It's only going to happen right here. I wonder if there would be anybody else in this house who would be willing to join me in prayer and say, Pastor, I'm making 22 the year of prayer. Next week, we're going to lay out a plan for you how you can get engaged every day of the week in prayer, not by yourself, but with everybody else here at the prayer room. You can do it at home, but I'm opening up the doors, and I'm encouraging you come do this up here because we need the power of God. We need our foundation to shake. And I don't know about you, but I need the Holy Ghost in my life. I need the power of God saturating me every day and every moment. I can't go through the next year without the power of God in my life. Here's what I want you to do. Everybody stand to your feet. I'm going to open up this altar. I know I preach long. I don't apologize because you needed to hear this. But here's what I want us to do. Everybody in the building, raise your hand and close your eyes. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I pray a divine anointing to overshadow every person under the sound of my voice. Lord, every lie that society has tried to tell them, every lie that, that the, the economic news system has tried to convince them of, Lord. Every lie that entertainment has tried to convince them of. Lord, every lie that politics has tried to convince them of. Lord, right now, I pray that in the name of Jesus, you would begin to breathe your Holy Spirit into this place and wash away every lie of the enemy and replace it with the truth of who you are, with the truth of what you say, and with the truth of what we have experienced in you. In Jesus' name, come on, somebody cry out to him right now. God, I need you right now. These altars are